Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. If you find value in what we do and you'd like to support the podcast, go to coffee.com, that's K-O hyphen F-I.com forward slash alone, or you can go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com forward slash support us to find out more. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rebecca Gallardo, the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I'm here with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and today's topic is how to write funny, putting humor into fiction. And this was actually a question that was really recent. It was, it just popped up in the thread this week, which if you guys are listening to this, it would be last week. But um, yeah, so it it popped up like, and immediately you just seemed to jump on it. (laughs) Yeah, well... We have done a lot of kind of dark stuff. We mm-hmm. have done a lot of things. We haven't touched humor at all in more than a year. Yeah. So, I mean, was... we, we do end up doing funny things and we have fun on the podcast, mm-hmm. but when it comes to writing humor, yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so that just kind of, it kind of jumped out at me. And um, the last week has been a lot. <laughs> So, and the last month and a half have been a lot, so I really kind of needed something for about humor just as, as a breather. Part of, part of this week was more unpacking, more painting, more cleaning, getting, you know, the necessary paperwork done to be here. Um, just, just, and no writing, a lot of, some, some help desk, a little bit of, of stuff on the forms, but no no fiction yet man none yeah well i knew it was going to take a while because it's not just the move it's everything and your life is in a state of flux for a good period of time yeah yeah so it's the the chaos continues there is light at the end of the tunnel and oh my god it was so cold this week it was awesome i got to wear sweaters every day (laughs) (laughs) and the leaves are starting to change colors that's nice it is yeah, it's not just the light at the end of the tunnel. You're already outside of the tunnel. It's just getting past the traffic now. <laughs> yeah. Nice analogy. That's it. That's it. We're just getting past the traffic. How about you? I actually started up the revision again, which felt amazing. Oh, yay. Yeah, so I am back to at least revision. Um, but the main thing has just been the the Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. I started sending out contracts and the very final rejections for the, the, I got through, um, I think it was more than half of, of the contracts and rejections yesterday. Um, and then today I plan on finishing it up. So by the time you guys are listening to this, everybody's going to already have, um, their, you know, answer and, Mm -hmm. uh, we, we just had far more. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, acceptances this year. Oh my God, the stuff I I've been reading through my stories because I already have mine, <laughs> and I have them all printed out now, and I've been kind of working on on timing and stuff. Oh my God, they're so good. Yeah. I am so excited about this. Yeah, 
And we did have a couple that um, were rejected for specific reasons. And the people had until the deadline to resubmit. And they did mm-hmm. beautifully. Yeah. They, they honestly did beautifully. I think only two people did not come back with uh, edits, you know? Nice. With, yeah, only two people. And, um, again, I just have to stress to, to folks, if you get a rejection, it's not you. It's not personal. It has nothing to do with who you are or your personality or anything or the parts of you in that story that you put in there. It's just how, either how the story was written or the fact that the story just really didn't fit the guidelines. Mm-hmm. We had a number of people that had beautifully written stuff, but it was slice of life or it was descriptions. Um, somebody had a really cool idea for a choose your own adventure thing. Um, it was beautifully written, but that doesn't fit the podcast because the end of it is a question. Right. The end of it is what do you do from here, basically, and that's not a complete story. Right. <laughs> that right. is the opposite of a complete story. That's the beginning, <laughs> you know. Yes, that's the beginning of adventure, and that's cool. Yeah, but, it's very cool. Yeah. But it when, just doesn't fit. So, yeah, when you're doing something for listeners, you have to give them the whole story. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of that was the problem is people trying to um, understand what a complete story is. Mm-hmm. And I think the real problem was the ones that submitted these things – did not take your flash fiction course, which shows what we consider a complete story. Yeah. And those were the majority of the ones that were getting rejected, or they just didn't pay attention to the guidelines at all. That can happen too. <laughs> yeah. But again, just because you got rejected doesn't mean that you're not, you know, that it, that it's a rejection of you. It, you know, a lot of these things were beautifully written, um, or a lot of these things you're, I think that we had far too young of listeners Okay. Um, submitting because it just showed kind of in the writing that, and I'll, I, again, if, if you're going to submit next year, we would love to have you please take the How to Write Flash Fiction course first. Which just, is open for anybody who is 16 years old or older. Yeah. Yeah. And, As are the forums. Yeah. 16 yeah. years or older. And um, that's also what we would have to take to legally accept your work and your signature and stuff. Otherwise it would have to be what a parent or a guardian or something. But, um, yeah. So I think actually for 18 for, uh, for us to be able to take their signature on the contract, their parents would have to co-sign if they're 16 or 17. Okay. So we'll have to add that into the guidelines and everything. And yeah, in the future, but it's a, it's a learn as you go kind of thing. We've never done this. You know, we did this last year once, and but yeah so so my week has just been full because I read all of the stories and then sent them out to like Holly if I thought they were her personality um Mark if it it was more what he likes to read or if it was a male protagonist and then I got kind of like the rest although I did steal one cat story from mom it was like no (laughs) no it wasn't to you evil bitch yes It wasn't specifically to you, but it was a cat story, and mm-hmm. you already have one, so and you have a dog story. So I have I'm, good stuff. I have yeah. such good stuff. Yeah. So um, let's go ahead. I think that that encompasses our week. I, I was just very happy to get back to the revisions. It was a really super light beginning. I didn't do much, but it doesn't matter because I'm I got back in, and considering the amount of workload it is on me right now with 
be Halloween episodes. Oh, God. Yes. So, okay, back to the episode, and it is How to Write Funny, Putting Humor into Fiction. And, um, Holly, why don't you get us started on this? Okay, well, let's start with the concept of humor, because it's really easy to look superficially at at funny and think, wow, it's, you know, things are just funny. But to get to how to actually write the humor, you have to understand why they're funny. And the reason things are funny is because you and the person who makes you laugh have common ground on shared pain. <laughs> humor comes from pain. And it is, there is no exception to this. It's now, I'm, some of it is little pain. Like uh, both of you had um, uh, horrible dates. You and the, per- the person who makes you laugh had a horrible date and is just talking through what happened on the horrible date. Um, she showed a, she was she was late. She spilled spaghetti down her dress. Um, she got a little tipsy. She said something really stupid. Uh, she stomped on her boyfriend's or the, the, the future husband's foot like five times while they were dancing. Um, just horrible, awkward moments where she figured he would never have anything to do with her again. And if you have ever been on a date where you were just a complete and total klutz, you laugh at that because you understand the pain of that. You've been there. And I mean, I, I can understand how there's a lot of a lot of humor that comes from pain, but like a hundred percent of it. Give me an exception that isn't. Just cats being funny. Okay, but that's you. That's not something you can write. Yeah, it is. I've read books where they have cats being really funny, and it's it's, you know, it's it's silly and it's funny to watch and it's funny to to have in your imagination or kids saying something you know incorrectly and it's it's funny to hear them talk right you know there yeah. there is i think there is humor that doesn't evolve from pain i think that the deeper humor does but okay um silly superficial sure okay um i yeah watching cats be funny it's cute i don't know that it's humor you don't I, laugh I think Sure, you laugh, but it's not. Humor is a is a skill you build. You can't build the skill of, of you know, dialogue writing down something you see a cat do, aside from you know being specific about it, or you know you can you can write down what the kid says, but that's not that's not a skill you can build. That's observation, which is good. And, and observational humor um, that doesn't come from yourself is good, but it's not, it isn't deeper. Yeah, well, okay, so let's take a look at Frasier. Frasier doesn't have, I mean, it has a lot of the humor born of pain, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there's, there's certain things that aren't necessarily, um, like, oh, that one where... Niles um, walks into Fraser's house and there was a rotting fish or something. So Daphne sprayed the um, the flower, the fu- floral um, air spray. Mm-hmm. And he walked in and he says it smelled like a fish died and the, all the other fish sent flowers. <laughs> so okay. Just, so well, that's a, simple humor, but it's, it's That is funny. actually from pain. 
You, oh, because you it smell stinks? something horrible. Yeah. Yeah, that's I wouldn't be able to relate to that. Right. <laughs> right. That's that's the thing. Okay, so that's there's observational humor which is not always born of pain. Right. But then there is the humor that you can bring to your own work that is almost exclusively going to come from some extrapolation of an experience of something that you have experienced and to make it funny you make it worse you make it bigger um, you make it meaner and then you change what happens at the end well i'm okay with you saying almost exclusively i was not okay with you saying no exception (laughs) okay all right um Yes. All right. I, I, I will give you that. Sure. Cat videos are always funny. Well, no. No, definitely not. Cute, but... cute cat videos are always funny. And um, it's, it's just very difficult to, to write a cute cat video. So, okay. Um, so if we are saying that deeper humor comes from shared pain, then it also comes from the empathy that you as the writer and the person who is reading what you have written share that you have both experienced something like this and that sets you up for the humor because if you have both been on a horrible date then you show the pain you make it bigger you make it awkward you make it humiliating you make it but but you also change the way it turns out and when you do that people laugh when it's unexpected, it's the thing that you think you see coming that doesn't, and the thing you don't see coming that does. And we've got a worksheet for this, because I know just talking you through this is going to be kind of tough. Um, this is probably not going to be a worksheet you can play along with while we're doing the podcast. <laughs> you might have to dig a bit to find the places where you have your humor. Um and there are a couple of issues also with humor. One is that of individual reaction, which is different people find different things funny and some things that some people find funny, other people find appalling. And this is just across the entire human race. A good example is gallows humor. Yeah, yeah. Um, gallows humor, um, Mocking somebody. There's political humor. Yeah. Oh, political humor is is he, he, that's you know fifty percent of your audience in a in a two party country, and however your if your your party has thirteen countries and it's divided up by that percentage, and it just gets smaller for the the group that will find you funny. Yeah, and then there's religious humor, which a lot of people find offensive. Mm-hmm. And then what you I think you were just about to say is stuff like America's funniest videos where it's constantly a guy getting hit in the balls or people yes. falling or yeah I personally don't find that funny I find I, it yeah, yeah yeah I don't find somebody I don't find Pratt Falls funny oh I mm. mean unintentional live um somebody flopping on the ground and skinning knees and and getting up battered and bruised a That's lot of not... people like the parkour fails or the skating fails. And I'm like, I don't understand that. Yeah, no. Oh, God, I can't watch those. Especially considering you were a nurse. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. I, I worked on the follow-ups for those things. And that just sucks the humor right out of that for you. Is, oh, is... see, and I just don't. I, I'm, I'm 
it sounds like I'm complimenting myself. I'm not because I'm I, I'm gonna say I'm too compassionate for people. You're, but it's you're it a is, pet rescuer. You have a, yeah. like all the empathy in the world. Don't, I yeah. yeah. I just I I feel bad for people. I don't laugh when that yeah. stuff happens. And it's just I'm not judging people who do. That's great. My best friend does. She thinks that stuff is hilarious. But yeah, I can't. I can't, I can't watch yeah. that stuff. So yeah, individual taste. Right. Um, Cultural, religious, and political reaction we already covered. Oh, cultural. Cultural humor. Um, that's, that is where you can just piss off the entire universe except for whatever your own little ethnic or sociopolitical or whatever group is. Um, and then it's, and then that is also, um, Related to timing. There is stuff that was funny 50 years ago that you look at now and think, oh, my God, that's terrifying. <laughs> um, there's stuff that people laugh their asses off when we were at war with Japan that uh, you look at that now and you think, oh, my God. That's, A, that's not funny, and holy shit, that's wildly racist. Yeah, like, who let that happen? Like, in Breakfast at Tiffany's, Mickey Rooney. Yeah. You look, you look at it now, because I love that movie, but it's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, us being able to make fun of ourselves and the differences in us, um, I kind of respect. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is... A little there it's easy to be too sensitive about stuff like yeah it is, is the, yeah i think i think both the bravest and the safest humor is the humor that you pull from your own experience and your own pain and mm -hmm. when you are standing when you are sitting there naked in front of the reader bearing your pain and then finding a way to laugh at it that is that is the moment that the reader will connect with you at the deepest point um, one of the one of the writers that really, really did a fantastic job of showing pain and embarrassment was Jennifer Cruzy. Um, and this is this is comedic romance if you haven't read her. Um, and I, I'm not really all that crazy about her later stuff, but uh, there was a thing called Welcome to Temptation, which was the first book of hers that I read and which won me over for a bunch of books. Uh, where she has these two women going home to a small town that they haven't been to in years and trying to find their place in it and uh, finding love in all the wrong places and then in some right places. And uh, it was, it was wonderful. It was, and it showed the pain of being an outsider in a truly compelling and brilliant way. Um, as someone who has been an outsider for most of my life, yeah, <laughs> that book really spoke to me, and um, yeah, I'll link it in the show notes. Yeah, and that's one of the things that that is what makes humor so hard. And it is. Let me just say this right now: getting humor right is really, really hard because. You have to be brave. You have to put yourself on the page. You have to be there naked. You have to tell it like it really was. And then you have to find a way to laugh at yourself. And then it, if, <laughs> if you were pulling from any of these things that other people don't find funny, it's still going to miss. So there, nothing is going to work for everyone. There is no universal 
joke. And this is not about writing jokes, by the way. This is about writing humor, which is something completely different. Yeah, and we've talked about this before, is that you, there is nothing that appeals to everybody. There, If there is one universal law of life, yeah. it is that. And, it, and and that is something you, you can take. Like, like I've used a million times, everybody thinks, you know, Harry Potter, but think of all the people in the world that hate Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. There's a ton out there. Don't just dislike it. Don't just, they're not just ambivalent towards it. They hate Harry Potter. Right. So there is... There is nothing that is going to appeal to everybody. And if you are writing broadly and vaguely and you're not connecting to the work with yourself, then it's not only not going to appeal to everybody, it's going to appeal to nobody. Right. So having having gone through, this has to come from you. This has to come from your life. This has to come from your experience. And most importantly, it has to come not from the places where you did everything right, but from the places where you fell on your ass and hurt yourself and skinned your knees and looked stupid um, and broke your heart. And, and it has to come from the places where you hurt. And then you have to find a way to make it funny and laugh at it. Now we're going to go to the four separate steps of this. Um, you want to be personal. If the humor doesn't make you laugh, that doesn't mean it isn't funny to someone, but it isn't what you should write. So when you are reading other people's humor, if that's, if it's selling a million copies and it's like the, the wildest thing, you know, I love Terry Pratchett and he sold like gangbusters. Um, but there are people who don't like that sort of deep world building humor with this political undertone and if that's not you then you shouldn't write you shouldn't try to write like terry pratchett because he sold you know zillions of books yeah yeah because you won't be able to write that and pull it off Mm -hmm. uh it has to actually you you actually have to be right in there and that's hard uh that's what makes humor so hard is you can't lie you can't be somebody else you have to be yourself yeah um, the next thing is know your light level. Um, I, and this is, this is, there are kinds of humor that are very popular for a while or whatever, and they won't be popular for everybody. I stopped dating a guy that I really loved because he thought dead baby jokes were funny. They were popular in the late seventies and the early eighties and everybody was telling him and he, he got offended that I didn't laugh. And, uh, I, I, and I stopped dating him. Stopped dating him because I thought, no, that's not a person who shares the things that matter to me. And when you are, when you are out there naked with your humor, what you are finding is the people who share the things that matter to you. So that's you know that was a big deal. The next one is know your intended audience, and your intended audience is people who they they aren't going to be people like you because you're unique. Nobody is like you. Nobody shares everything that you love, but they are people who share your pain. And you have to identify that group. I mean, there are, romance novels are probably the best designated set of writing to learn how to understand who a group is. Um, You have what used to be the publisher I was shooting for, which was Second Chance at Love, which is people who had had a bad relationship and then found their way to a good one. Um, Frequently, it was divorced and second marriage. Uh, There are um, young romances. There are 
older romances. There are really old romances uh, for you know people people in their sixties and seventies who. Uh, I mean, there's there's probably a hundred genres within romance. I mean, right. if not more, because you've got it's it's paranormal romance. It's uh-huh. it's specifically vampire romance, or you can go just in the simple romance itself. It it can be um, that you have to have a happily ever after. That it's set in a city. That it's set in a town. That it's set in a mystical place. Right. That it's you know set that it's that mixed it's, race. Yeah. That it's uh, same gender. Yep. That's I I mean. It, and romance. within the same genders, there's still the other genres. Right. So probably looking at thousands of genres alone just <laughs> yes. within romance. Yes, with just that one broad category, romance. Yeah, there's the heat levels, too. Right, right. So you've heat got levels. different yeah, but, levels of raunch. Yeah. Um, right in there to just, yeah, from, from safe um, and Christian romances to... Raw porn, um, mm-hmm. with with a, with a tiny romantic element of well, you know, we can show you all this stuff because they actually love each other, <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, but sometimes it's specifically not love, right? Sometimes, sometimes they, it isn't, yeah, and they don't want to happily ever after. They they want to specifically happy for now, or you know, feminist romance. So yeah, knowing knowing what it is that you like to write, knowing what you love to read and write the most helps you define your audience. Exactly. And then finally, you have to be able to surprise yourself. In most cases, your first idea won't be your best idea, and you will discover that this takes some work. And the worksheet will help you with that. Um, You will see me working through an idea and coming up with a number of different ways to approach it. And I won't even say that this this would be the funniest novel I ever wrote. Uh, This is just... It just is there to show you that as you go through the idea, the idea changes. And you roll with it and you pursue the better parts and the better pieces. Um, So with that, uh, I think we can go on to the worksheet discussion and some examples and Okay. Well, just, um, I have not filled, just so the listeners know, I have not actually filled out this, um, worksheet. So you filled out the worksheet, you did the worksheet and everything. Is this one that we're going to put as a download for the demo or no? No, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do the demo download. You'll just have to listen to the uh, the episode because. Yeah. So just make sure that, um, you know, you can listen to the audio, but this one's fairly simple. It doesn't really need a demo anyway. And maybe I'll, throw in some stuff if I have an idea or something because that's fun for me yeah okay so I'm about ready um I want to start with the worksheet intro just to kind of get people warmed up okay first um this is this is the basic raw getting your humor to work is a three-step process concept define your situation and the specific conflict in it okay that's one two Define your character's expectations related to the resolution of that conflict. That is, how do they think this thing is going to work out? Okay, once you have that, that's two. Three, identify the places where the expected or logical resolution of the conflict can break. In other words, where things go wrong, because when things go wrong, that's where the funny happens. And again, this is writing humor. This isn't writing jokes. So... (laughs) Uh, This is humor that is going to be situational. It's going to be inside of the story. 
Okay. All right. So let's start with the worksheet uh, questions. Number one, what's your situation? Things out of order here. Four, five, six, seven. All right. <laughs> Sorry about that. I hit on my sheets. They just weren't in order. Okay. My situation is Bob meets Kate mm. at a 20-year high school reunion and discovers that far from being the spoiled rich girl he thought she was, she's sweet, funny, and married to Mr. Wrong, the biggest gorilla in the room, who is, according to a remit old friend who's now a cop, abusive, coercive, manipulative, and powerful. And Kate's too scared to testify. Yeah, that's pretty dark. So that, that fits with the original question asker. The original listener who had this question is, um, they write very serious stuff, and I believe it's fantasy. Mm -hmm. um, and then they have real problems getting that humor in there. So, right. I mean, this sounds like a very good situation that kind of fits even though it's not necessarily magical or anything right yeah this this i don't think i put any any fantasy elements or any magic into this one um but no, it's just a very simple setup right where there's a lot of of darkness so right n number two is what is the specific conflict within the situation okay my example here is boy meets girl a second time boy meets monster and Boy decides to destroy monster to save girl. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, that's because it's, you have to remember what point of view too, because some people might be thinking, oh, conflict, abusive relationship, but that's her conflict. Right. So yeah, focus on your main antag or your main protagonist's conflict, I think is, is a good thing to note there. That's very exactly. cool. And this yeah. is not a romance novel. This is... A novel from the guy's point of view mm -hmm. and, and it will probably have some of the well it would I'm not writing this I'm not yeah. writing this I'm <laughs> not writing this uh, this would probably have this the the point of view of Kate as well as Bob and possibly the point of view of the gorilla but it's this is Bob's story yeah yeah okay number three what is the logical or expected outcome of this conflict okay the reader going into this um, is seeing a male protagonist, is going to see the future male hero, and is going to think, Bob will have some legal or military background or some superpower like shifting into a wolf that would let him deal with Mr. Wrong and will beat him up with some combination of strength, intelligence, legal investigation and disclosure, and maybe magic, like really sharp teeth and a pack of toothy friends. Even though there's no magic in this, it's giving you the different options available for whatever genre you're writing in. Exactly. So, yeah. I, I tried to be broad here. I tried yeah. to, you know, make it easy to figure out what how you would apply this particular question. Yeah. So that's the that's the logical or expected conflict from the point of view of the reader, what they are going to think is going to happen coming in. Yeah, and it's probably pretty um if you're if you read a lot, it'll be easier for you to come up with your kind of vague answer mm -hmm. and really put a lot of thought into and this is why we're we're not doing the whole question and pause thing um because this one takes more time, so it's really not one that you can 
necessarily pause and then write because it, you know, you got to really think about some of these things. Yeah. Um, but if you're doing it, that's great, you know. Um, <laughs> so the next question, what is the obvious opposite of the expected outcome? Okay. Obvious opposite takes a tiny bit of explanation. It is if you throw this question to the basic reader and say, okay, well, you're looking at what you were expecting to happen. What's the thing that you expect to happen if that doesn't happen? That is the obvious opposite, okay? And the first is that Kate will turn out to be every bit as evil as her husband Hmm. or that her husband will turn out to be a good guy working to capture Bob, the real criminal. Ah, okay. So I was thinking that the obvious opposite was more along the lines of um, Bob fails (laughs) to save the damsel in distress. Okay. And um, they stay married and Bob moves on to another hot girl. (laughs) Okay. That that would be a really good obvious opposite. That one did not occur to me. (laughs) And that's, yeah. Yeah, but you you come up with different, depending on you, you come up with different obvious uh, opposites. Right, because basically it's it's you asking yourself, what would I as the reader expect to happen Mm -hmm. if this other thing that I as the reader would have expected to happen didn't happen? Yeah. That's a convoluted sentence. Yeah, well, (laughs) writing. Okay, so now this one is a little bit more work. This is what are three different alternatives to the expected and obvious opposite outcome. Okay, here are my three different um, alternatives. One is that Bob is a skinny, nerdy, well-to-do tech guy with mad skills who, with his old best friend the cop, brings Mr. Rung to justice. So he's not the big buff, you know. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Alpha male, just not big buff alpha Mm -hmm. male. Okay. It's brainy. 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 Brainy alpha male. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the second one is that Bob really wants Mr. Wrong for himself and helps him come out of the closet while guiding Kate toward his cop buddy. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, so I kind of liked that one too. Uh, that wasn't the one that I decided with to, no, decide no, to but go with. But yeah. It's just that one is a real opposite. That one is a real, like, you, exactly. you wouldn't expect it. So that was cool. Right. Um, and then the third one is that Bob is a popular comedian and starts using details about Mr. Wrong in his act, which makes him a target, but rev- which makes Bob a target, but reveals Mr. Wrong's powerful and corrupt allies at the same time under the guise of humor. So that was the one that really kind of spoke to me because, well, I thought there is a lot of, of possibility for uh, the pain of... of <laughs> Getting stuff out of having horrible things happen to you, of being with the woman you love and have loved for a long time or maybe love for a little while, um, that that this thing gave me, I thought, the broadest scope to chase down some really kind of dark and twisted humor. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, and just to let folks know, um, the, the number two option there... Obviously, I, I wouldn't want uh, the gorilla to be abusive and evil and manipulative if Bob wanted him for himself. Right, so. exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, then you, but then see, you go back and you retrofit the yes. character so that, oh, he's a great guy, 
Yeah, he's just or wrong. he's just indifferent to his wife, and maybe they have a bad relationship, and she is not aware why, and maybe even he is not truly aware why, or he right. he he thought it could work or something like that. But yeah, it's it's something that if you're coming up with the ideas, if you're not in the middle of a book, you know, it's you have more room to play. You mm-hmm. you have more ways to um, adjust things. If you're in the middle of a book, obviously you have to find the humor or a revision. You have to find the humor that you've already, you know, built a foundation for. Right. With the worksheet, I think it's important to remember that you have to assume because this is just raw brainstorming that Mm -hmm. the vast majority of everything you come up with is going to be wrong but that it can point you towards the one thing you really love like becky really loved the the mr wrong and bob uh, yeah well it was yeah it was really cool because it's what you didn't expect especially Mm -hmm. if the guy originally had this crush on this girl in high school and then you know it's kind of like well this is more it gives romance on everybody's side i think that's why i liked it is because it's like everybody wins (laughs) right right yeah and and that's you know that that would probably be the much easier book to make funny but that wasn't the one that i chased no because it's not going to be dark humor either and you prefer dark humor that one that one had maybe a little bit of dark humor but mostly it's just going to be situational or something like that Right, and this is where you're actually pulling some stuff out of the darkness. So the next question is, how can you make the action bigger? Okay. Um, I just didn't have Mr. Wrong as anything all that important. I mean, you know, he was maybe local evil, but I can make the action bigger if I make Mr. Wrong a major political player. Uh, I can make him a traitor spying for an enemy nation. I can make him an evil alien from outer space in disguise, um, or I can make him an evil mythical creature in disguise. So there are, across this entire spectrum of, you know, different things you could do with this one guy, I have huge, amazing opportunities to, to pull weird humor from strange places by, by just who I make him under the surface yeah just adjusting slightly for his personality or what he does for a living or or there's a lot of ways to make it bigger Mm -hmm. and it's that's really cool i like just you have this huge um variety at your fingertips just from something so simple right You, you don't make the assumption when you throw the first idea down on the page that that's actually going to be the idea you write yeah you just chase rabbits down holes until one of them goes to a hole that's got some gold in it (laughs) it's kind of let your brain do this this freedom thing it's it this is this worksheet is very muse toy ish Mm -hmm. it's it's letting it play and never and during this too and this is something holly says a lot and this is something like i tell people all the time never tell yourself any idea you come up with is stupid no ever because that is something that shuts down your creative side your creative part of your brain and a lot of my friends that are interested in writing or l- like to write they are going through that part where and it tends to be something that beginners think is just on them which is not and beginners tend to think that oh this must be why you have to be born a writer and you don't no. so everybody has this problem 
just it gets easier as you do more writing to shut that voice up. It's like inner critic, you'll get your chance. All of the ideas are valid right now. <laughs> exactly. It, it's really important when your right brain says, that's a stupid idea. To, or to, for when your left brain says, that's a stupid yeah. idea. To have your right brain say, no, it's weird, quirky, and clever. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Or have your right brain just stick out its tongue and say, go away. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> your version of your muse would do. Yes. So the next, the next question is, how can you increase the element of surprise? Okay. My choices here were to save Mr. Wrong's true nature for the midpoint pivot. That's to, let's say he is uh, a traitor spying for an enemy nation or an evil alien from outer space or an evil mythical creature in disguise. I will, will have tiny little hints in the first part of the story going up to the fact that that's what's there, that, you know, that there's just something a little off about him, but I will not show what he truly is until right at the middle. And that will make, that will allow when you bring this part out to make, to give you an entire new range of humor that you can suddenly, suddenly bring in so that you've been doing this dark humor about this this dark guy in this bad relationship and uh finding finding the humor her her humor in the pain or bob's humor in his pain and trying to to get around these things and all of a sudden you throw an evil alien into the middle of the story and wow now you have a brand new set of of painful experiences from which to make people laugh yeah and the cool thing is the first half of the book, you're setting them up for a completely different expectation. So they're going off of this, this feeling, and then this, this original concept, they're going off of that, and they make their own wrong assumptions, which twists the little ways that you're showing how he's just off. Mm -hmm. They make their own assumptions, and the reader can make theirs too, but you, you can put red herrings in there, so you can just confuse everybody. You know, in a good way. Right. And then by the time the truth comes out, it's a, it's a surprise, not just to the characters, but to your readers. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's there, cool. at, And at that point where you bring it out, that is a beautiful moment for dark humor right there, <laughs> where you have the guy walking in prepared to confront the Mr. Wrong. You have Bob on his way in. He's going in. He's going to confront him. He's going to say something. And he opens the door and... Mr. Wrong is speaking uh, some foreign language to an enemy operative um, on a, some really high-techy device, or he is not wearing his human suit, and you can see that he's a, a, a little green guy, or uh, you make him, or, or Bob sees that he is this giant mythical creature from Greek mythology or whatever with with horns and fangs and it's just scary as crap. Well, Holly says that there's this chance for dark humor, but I think that all of those, you could go for light humor too. It's just yeah. a good chance for humor in general. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's de depending on the tone of your book. Um, yeah, you can, the, the walk in on somebody, oh fuck moment, it is very frequently 
funny anyway. And, yeah. you know, anybody who has ever been walked in on knows that it's not necessarily funny until afterwards. But, <laughs> yeah, but there is a little bit of a laugh thing there. Um, so then you make that bigger by making the characters bigger. And then you increase the element of surprise. Um, let's see. The next one is save Bob's true nature for the midpoint. Now, if Bob is a comedian, you're probably going to know that from the beginning. But if he is a comedian who is also something else, maybe not. But let's see. Some of my other true nature things here. Um, let's see, Bob. Oh, yeah, that if he were um, gay, then, and and he's been trying to, to, to pass, he, he has been afraid of coming out, and he walks in on Mr. Wrong, and falls in the, in the sauna or the shower or something, and <laughs> falls madly in love right then, right there, all hope of ever going back to trying to be who he isn't and hiding in plain sight is gone. You um, could even make it if he's if he's gay like you you might not know from the beginning because he's been trying to rescue her. Right. There isn't necessarily any romance there. Yeah, that's but true. But you can yeah, you can make it so where he's just so consumed by rescuing her, his own needs are going unnoticed and then he might have that moment of truth where he sees why their relationship isn't working is because this this guy is like a major political figure but he's trying to maybe be a spy and shut down a sex trafficking operation or something like that yeah so his his the world's been flipped upside down and then it comes out that you know he's attracted to this man because he's the opposite of everything he thought he was and that is the type of person he likes right Right. Yeah. So, yeah, and and you can still make that funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a way that you can increase the element of surprise that isn't about the true nature of somebody? Um. Let me see. I've got. I think I've got some other things here. I just dug through my worksheets and now I've lost my. Okay. Um. Yeah. You make Bob initially seem inept, not not pratfally, not stupid but inept, like he tries really hard at things, and he gets them wrong. You know, he brings her a drink and spills it down her shirt before she has to, and she's wearing an expensive silk blouse. Um, he's, he seems like he just can't get through a door safely without somehow hurting himself. Or Well, that's, that's kind of changing his true nature again, though, isn't it? It's making him from inept to just he was having a spazzy week or something his true nature is not spaz okay let's yeah um hide the fact that he went to the reunion specifically to connect with mr wrong and has no clue that this guy was married to his high school kind of hopeless crush mm -hmm. um yeah just the surprise in in the situation itself um basically you're you're pulling from the situation, you're pulling from the character's deepest true desires, um, from your own personal points of pain, and from your own memories of embarrassment, humiliation, and and places where you did not come off the way you really wanted to. 
and it cost you in one way or another just either everybody laughed which is oh god horrifying mm-hmm. um or or you lost something that you wanted because you had this moment of ineptitude or it's just there's a, there are a lot of different ways to go but your own personal you have to dig through what hurt you and you have to dig through how you got through it and then you have to find out wow if i had been who i am now how would i have handled the same thing happening to me differently and how can i bring humor into that and like i said writing humor is hard it's not writing jokes there's no punchline this is how you make people understand surviving pain mm-hmm. and and allow them to share that pain with you by laughing along with you, which means you have to make yourself laugh, which is also why humor is so incredibly personal. Yeah. <laughs> because if you don't laugh, if you don't let the page cool for a day or two and come back and read it and laugh, you missed and try again. How can you use the reader's expectations to make it look like they'll be met into the last possible moment? Okay, I only came up with two for this because this is a really tricky thing to do. You make Kate look guilty of misdeeds, um, like, but the husband is planting them. So early in the story, it looks like Kate is complicit in what's going on. So the reader's expectation at the beginning and the reader's expectation and the main character's expectation as you run through here is that he is going to get his heart broken because even though it looks like she's in trouble it looks like she's also complicit and then at the end or near the end he finds out he catches Mr. Wrong planting things that she's then going to get blamed for um, or some other thing that proves that she is actually innocent of what it looks like she has been guilty of and he and so at that point the reader has this aha moment of oh I thought all along and if you're subtle enough about it you can make it look like you don't want the reader to know that she is actually complicit in this so that they think they're in on a secret that kind of slipped by you until you find out that, until you you show them and they find out that they're not. This is layering. Yeah, there's a lot of layers because you can also make it that um, you you want the reader to know. So you're setting mm-hmm. it up so that that the reader, okay, so she's she's obviously you know involved, but mm-hmm. you can put little tiny clues that upon reread through. You see, oh, hey, look, okay, so she wasn't involved. Mm-hmm. This is the little tiny clue here. And if I'd have been paying super duper insane attention, I might have caught that. Mm-hmm. And this is how your book gets read and reread and reread is because if it has these layers, the reader will read through the first time and say, well, I, oh my God, I see how, but I don't see how. Let me read it again. And they go through and they find more stuff. And then they go through and they find more stuff. And the books that you have read a bunch of times have used this technique. Okay. And then my second example for this is you make Mr. Wrong warm, funny, friendly, and a big fan of Bob's. And if Bob is the comedian, then they the, the couple meets him and Mr. Wrong is all, hey, you know, hey, buddy, well met. I, I love your show. I love watching you. You know, I've seen you on TV a number of times. We even went to one of your shows once and uh, I bought the T-shirt. 
something along those lines. So that when Bob gets to talk to Kate privately and finds out that their relationship is not all sunshine and bunnies, then this becomes, and that becomes something that is going to have to show up a little later too, because... Yeah, because it's a twist. Right, right. So in this story, um, you would meet him, you would meet Bob as the comedian, you would meet this couple that that one of them he knew from high school and the other one's a complete stranger who's a big fan. And then at the midpoint twist, um, this girl that he liked, finally he gets to talk to her alone and she says, it's not what you think it is. And... But but getting the humor into that then, because that is tricky, is in having him constantly being, thinking he's knowing what's going on and then being made, finding that he has made a mistake and that he has done something awkward and done something stupid and, you know, showing up at the wrong place at the wrong time and um, finding seeing things that he doesn't understand going on and this guy that he thinks that he likes and he thinks likes him um, is not happy to see him at these different times and in these different places where... Yeah, and that, yeah. that can be funny is like he shows up and this guy who he thinks is a great fan of his and a good friend is, is you know, at treating him very differently and you mm-hmm. can make that humorous as well. Yeah. And, you know, even if he, even if Mr. Wrong is a spy, um, just having him have to be somebody in front of the person that he's being the spy with and in front of this guy who he genuinely was a fan of, mm-hmm. but that he can't be the guy who's the fan in front of the guy who's, you know, this... His this target or yeah. his... Yeah. 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 And, and that gets very awkward. And then you have a lot of this... Um, situational humor yeah yeah where just just everybody is in the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong things and when that happens that's the right thing for humor so the next question is what of all of your outcomes would you personally find the funniest okay um mine was the the of all of the things that i could possibly think of it was for kate to grow a spine while showing up on bob's comedy special to work on proof of Mr. Wrong's corruption and to turn what she knows into some spiffy back-and-forth dialogue between the two of them on a live broadcast nationwide TV special um, where all of a sudden she's kind of throwing these little one-liners about her husband in and Bob doesn't know what they're doing, but he thinks they're being funny. And he's saying, yeah, you know, this is the thing that's going on. And yeah, this is, and wow, you know, this is what, can you imagine what if we made him president? Or, you know, what if he was, what if he's really this thing? And it's, it's funny. It's, it's live off the, the cuff humor that is bouncing between these two people that is revealing the truth about Mr. Wrong with the following thing that happens. Every over-the-top thing Kate says, Bob finishes with, said with love. And Kate says, said with, and she says, said with love. Every time. And the audience is just dying laughing. And at the same time, there's other things going on. So um, 
go to the next question now. Okay. So how could you make that one thing even funnier to yourself? Okay. Mr. Wrong doesn't know that Kate is going to be on the special. Uh, one of his henchmen, uh, the guy who was assigned to follow her, tips him off and offers to, quote unquote, fix it um, to make sure that somehow or other she does not end up on the stage. He doesn't know that she's planning on doing anything, but they don't want her connected with this guy that that Mr. Wrong genuinely, you know, likes it because he has things he wants to do with Kate, Mr. Wrong does. And the whole thing is going to land on her head and she's going to be the villain and he's going to walk away free. And maybe he has a thing for Bob, although maybe let's say in this, in this version, Bob is straight and he is the gay supervillain. Mr. Mr. Wrong is the gay supervillain. Uh, who falls in love, unfortunately. Yeah, there's the there's guy. a lot of uh, humor within that, too, because if you've ever seen a comedy special on marriage and you've been married for a decent amount of time, uh, or family, and you've, you've been a parent for a long time and you watch some of the comedians out there doing their specials, mm -hmm. um, it, it really, it's, you kind of sit back and you're like, I would hate to be family member of comedian yes because a lot of that stuff whether it's real or not it's out there it's it's definitely standing naked because you're also your whole family's naked in front yeah. of everybody yeah if you're using them for your act my god everybody's going did you really do that when, yeah when you show up someplace it's like he's a comedian he he has to make shit up yeah, or, or yeah, it's it, it's a, it's unfortunately it's a yes, and you just live with egg on your face, and yeah, and you learn to find the humor in that too. I think being married to a comedian takes a lot of bravery. Uh huh. <laughs> but there's uh -huh. a lot that people relate to too, because you'll probably end up getting a lot of people coming up to you and saying stuff like, "Oh man, I've been there," or you know, I you know, if my husband told people I did this, I would kill him. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> so that if you've ever seen those specials, you can kind of translate what Holly's talking about within this one particular scene that she found funniest is it's really amazing. I, my, my thing was that maybe the gorilla didn't know that she was going to be on the special, but he bought tickets to that, to the show Oh, and he's in the show and he brought a whole bunch of his business associates with him and the oh, things God. that she's talking about are explaining basically all of the like missing money or missing you know whatever it is that there mm -hmm. is that he's doing wrong it's explaining why these things were happening and explaining why they couldn't figure it out. And they're all just kind of casually looking over at him. <laughs> oh, I just thought that that was a cool way to that handle it. That is really good. That's, that's a little different than the way I actually did it, which I have him, Mr. Wrong, say that he, he will fix it himself when he hears from his, his henchmen. He does not know that the show is uh, being televised, does not know that it's live, does not know that it's a nationwide broadcast, has no clue. So he runs onto the stage, grabs her, but smiles so the audience is supposed to think it's part of the show, and they applaud him as he runs on. And backstage, the crew turns out to be the FBI agents who neatly extricate her and haul him off. 
Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so it was it was a setup then to get yeah. in there. Yeah. All right. So um, that is everything on your worksheet. Yes. And again, this is a free download. We don't ask for your email or anything like that. You can just go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com and look for this today's title, which again is How to Write Funny, Putting Humor into Fiction. And that is uh, pretty much just, you could use it with something you're working on now, you're revising now. You can use it on a story idea that you have. You can just brainstorm all over the pages. It's, again, just another little free tool that Holly worked on and the typo just, again, shuddy. <laughs> it's it's a free worksheet that she spent time on. So if there's typos, boo-hoo. Um, yeah, so is there anything else that you wanted to say before we get to the takeaway? No. Okay. I'm just going to remind you guys that you can follow us on the social medias. That is at Alone with Invisible People on Instagram. It's A-I-A-R-W-I-P on Twitter. And it's Alone in a Room with Invisible People on Facebook. You can go to our show notes, check out all of the links that we link to, um, take a look at the different things we've talked about on alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. You can also check the episode listings so that you can figure out if there's one that you missed or see if we have if you're new if we have covered a topic use the search engine on the site and just type in the topic that you're hoping that we've covered if we haven't covered the topic and you would like to hear about it you can go to hollyswritingclasses.com create a free account you do get the free how to write flash fiction that doesn't suck course and you get some free stuff from summer of fiction but then find our forums go in and ask us a question. Ask, let us know, you know, I'd love to hear about this topic if you guys haven't covered it already. And please definitely do take a look first because your answer could already have been covered. There's also a mailing list. And again, it doesn't notify you of any of Holly's classes or anything else like that. The only thing it tells you is when our um, podcast comes out. So you get an email through that. That is, you can sign up for that at alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. And most importantly, I can't stress enough, join the forums. Um, we, we've got a lot of people that are coming into the podcast late and they're asking questions on Facebook. Holly does not have a Facebook. Um, asking questions on Instagram won't get you anywhere because it's there's nobody there really to answer it. And there is this huge resource of amazing writers of at all levels at hollyswritingclasses.com and it's free. It's a free resource. All of these amazing people that will gladly be a part of a conversation with you, or you can get into the topics and say, I didn't quite understand what they meant by this. And other people will chime in and explain or say, yeah, I had a problem with that too. Yeah. And when we can, we'll come in too. Yeah. 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 We, we try to <laughs> check the there. forums. Yeah. We, we try, I try to check the forums every day. Um, I can't always respond, but we are definitely there every week. Holly, what is the takeaway for today's episode? Okay. No matter how funny you are, you won't be funny to everyone. And this is 100% of the time, no matter who you are, there is no such thing as universal humor. And this goes back to humor is born from pain and pain is individual. So people laugh at different things. So make sure the humor you're at, you add is funny to yourself. Read it out loud. Listen to it. If re rework it, make it tighter, make it funnier, um, 
and let it cool before you send it out read it again see if it's still funny the other thing is be your audience know your audience and write for that audience don't try to be funny in somebody else's genre because it's selling well or with somebody else's kind of humor because it's selling well don't imitate pull from your own life from your own pain and be yourself yeah, definitely when Holly said, be your audience and then write for that audience. That's right for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so I'm just going to say thank you guys very much for listening. We will, I will see you guys next week. Yeah, and it would not hurt for this particular episode if you would like to try out some of your humor on the forum. To, to If you wrote down some little slice of what you're writing and you think it might be funny, bring it in. And people will be gentle with you and they will say, okay, well, this is why it either worked for me or why it didn't work for me. And, you know, some people are going to say, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Then you find your audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people might say, yeah, it's just not my taste or that's mm-hmm. not my kind of humor. And don't be offended by that. That just means they're not your people. Right. So, um, write with joy and we will see you next week.